expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry. Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. And to learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Our topic is from problem to productive workforce. And I have with me Samuel Sudakar, who is the Chief Information Officer and Vice President for Information Technology Services at California State University, San Bernardino. Hi, Sam. How are you? Good morning. I'm, I'm well. How are you? Very good, sir. Nice to and great to have you. And we have Curtis Carver, who's the Vice President and Chief Information Officer with the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Curtis, how's life and business? Uh, doing great. Can't complain at all. Very good. So this is a great positive start to the show. And the reason we even wanted to do this show is because, you know, there are a lot of strategies, especially in today's day and age, you talk 2017. We have a lot of ideas floating. We are doing digital transformation. We are trying to go and take business to the next level. We want to meet the customer demands like never before. All of that is great. And you've got great strategies around it. But then when we see people or the people who are supposed to help realize those strategies, we feel in many cases people are some of the biggest issues and some of those issues are chronic, which we always are basically sharing that this is our challenge, but don't seem to see much of an improvement in there. So where is uh, the, the since, since you know people are integral and they are basically one of the key elements which will make you successful. So I'm sure you want to make investments. Are the investments not been made enough? And, and this is, I'll start with you, Sam. Are the investments not been made enough or we are unsure of the output so we don't know how to navigate and how to invest it wisely for us to get where we want to be? Okay, so um, let's, uh, let's focus on, on the word that you used, output, right? So machines produce output, people have outcomes. So that's the first distinction we need to make, right? So especially with IT folks, um, most of the IT folks in the past were machine-facing IT folks. They, were, they work with machines all day long, they do programming, they uh, do systems administration, work with the network, etc. And for the most part, I think we have expected outputs from our employees rather than uh, treating them as individuals who have professional aspirations and uh, emotions, etc. You know, there, there's a distinction to be made between a machine and a human being. And, and for people who are always used to facing machines, uh, we have expected outputs from them. And that's fundamentally, I think, the issue at hand. Uh, the minute we change the lens to say, okay, um, these IT folks, especially the millennial generation of IT folks, uh, they have their own, um, their own aspirations and they want to be a part of the decision-making process. They want to buy into the vision of the organization. So uh, once we turn the lens and say, this is how we're going to treat our employees, you will start seeing the change in the outcomes of your organization. Very good and very interesting response, Sam. So, Curtis, coming to you, when um, 
Sam mentions about outcome, and when we when he says that we want to treat them right, then things will start turning around. Would you say we can put our arms around this in an objective and a measurable manner, or is this going to always remain a soft uh, touch or a soft approach to fixing a rather integral problem, which is causing us to hold back from where we want to be? Well, I think Sam nailed it. You, you, when when you look at people in your organization, um, different companies reach one of two. Um, different conclusions. One, uh, people are resources to be burned up. And so they, they become shops that hire people, burn them out, and then hire more people, burn them out, and keep on going. And there's some fairly egregious cases of that. I don't think that works very well, uh, especially if you're trying to be a transformational organization. And so the, 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 the counter to that is where people are your most precious resource and your intent is to empower them for greatness. And so you have to make the necessary investments um, in your people so that they've got the relevant skill set, that they're, uh, you're doing long-term planning. Um, and I'll give you some concrete examples. Every single year, uh, we sit down and we do goal statements. These are the goals that are uh, that we want each of our employees uh, to accomplish. Those goals are tied back to the strategic plan. Strategic plans tied back to the business case for the university. Um, they're quarterly uh, counseling sessions um, for some of our employees. They're, even though we're a public university, uh, some of our employees are on incentive plans, and then that incentive plan is. Um, uh, tied to their performance of those specific uh, outcomes. The the other thing I'd tell you is, you know, if, if you're trying to empower people for greatness, you ha- have to hold them accountable for doing great things. And so you have to set um, large goals. And, and what that means uh, in, in my organization is, for the most part, we really only hire A-plus players. They've got to have the technical skills. They've got to have the soft skills that Sam was talking about uh, for the uh, business facing. They've got to have emotional maturity. And and maybe I'm just getting old and cranky, but but I only hire people smarter than me. And uh, my wife says that should be the easiest thing I do every day. And I um, only hire people that are A-plus players. And once we get them, we want to retain those A-plus players and then compensate them appropriately. So where we talk about compensation, and of course, you know, you made all the the points which definitely are important and also should intuitively um, be be, be seen by most of the leaders, but still the problems remain. So if I were to come back to you, Sam, and say, tell me the top problems that even with the environment or the kind of lens that you mentioned, you put, what people problems do you still see in your organizations or similar organizations such as yours? Sure. So, you know, um, employees don't become problem employees um, from day one, right? Every employee who starts in an organization uh, starts out with saying, I'm going to do my best, I'm going to contribute to the organization, and I'm going to grow in my career. And over time, um, that changes because of a variety of reasons. Some of the reasons that we discovered were, were, you know, we fail to equip our employees with the right tools to do their job. We fail to empower them to make decisions and always wait for management to make the decision. Uh, we fail to recognize them when they do a good job, when they accomplish something. So the, the, the compensation you talked about is not only in, intrinsic, uh, there is extrinsic compensation and intrinsic compensation. A lot of employees 
they like to be recognized. They like to be feel like they own something and, and, and they're contributing towards the vision and mission of the organization, like, uh, just like Curtis said. So um, in terms of uh, what we found in our organization is uh, a year ago, uh, I went through an exercise I, uh, and I met with all my employees, all the ITS employees. There are about 108 of them. And I met with them as individuals and in groups. And throughout my one-on-one meetings, without their supervisors, we discovered there are five different things that came out of those meetings. So, number one, communication was an issue. Career development pathways, participatory decision-making, workload, and a clear vision. These are the five categories of issues that we discovered and if you look at those, none of them relate to I'm getting underpaid, right? The people want to be inherently a part of the IT organization. They want to be a part of the decision-making process, and, and they want the leadership to tell them, where are we headed? You know, instead of saying, these are your tasks for today, and this is what I want you to accomplish, we want them to become a part of the mission of the institution and a part of the strategic plan. As a part of our discovery last year, we started, um, uh, we started doing the professional development plans. Like Curtis had, had mentioned earlier, uh, these professional development plans um, focus really on their career development pathways um, of where they want their next step to be and how, as an organization, we can help them get there. So in about a year, you know, we're heading in the right direction, but those are the five top issues that we identified, and then we further did some drilling, and I'll be able to answer more questions as, as we go along in the show to say how we have addressed each one of those issues. Now, Curtis, that, that's great. Thanks, Sam. Uh, so, Curtis, would you want to add to the inventory of problems that were reported? Yeah, I think sometimes um, uh, you, you see within IT um, either, uh, as Sam was talking about, lack of empowerment. But I think the other is sometimes people get into a niche and they engage in what I call occupational hobbies, things that used to be important to work but are no longer important. And it, it no longer represent how uh, that work gets done. And so that, that misalignment um, uh, often uh, or, or can cause problems in an organization. And when we're looking at you know, uh, em- employees that uh, we desire to hire, we're, we're looking for people that are uh, agile uh, thinkers and critical thinkers that are going to come in and move through the organization and solve different problems. Um, the, the, the hope is they're going to be with us for a very long term, but they're going to solve lots of different things instead of come in, do the exact same thing every single day. Uh, that's just not the nature of work within uh, IT today. Um, I completely agree with, with the idea um, uh, of, uh, you know, how do we not only empower people to do great things, but how do we recognize uh, folks? Let me give you some concrete examples that, that perhaps you haven't uh, heard of before. Maybe you have. Um, every month we get all employees together. I've got about 250 employees, and we do what's called praise and progress, and, and 10 employees 
um, stand up and they each get two minutes. And, and in two minutes, they've only got to do two things. One, uh, they've got to talk about the work that they're most proud of, not what their boss is most proud of, not what's on the strategic plan, but what they're most proud of that they've been uh, able to accomplish. And then the second is they've got to thank someone outside their team, whoever they're most grateful for, for helping their career, moving things forward. And, and it creates a, a, a culture of teamwork. It creates a culture that celebrates success. It creates a culture where people have that opportunity to really thank um, uh, the folks that make a difference in their life. And if they thank someone that's outside of the IT organization, and that occurs typically a couple of times every month, then I write that person and their boss uh, a personal note. I've been doing this for, I don't know, uh, eight, nine years now. I have a 100% yield uh, where they will email me back. I mean, every single time I've done it, and I've done it hundreds of times, um, but 100% of the times, they will email me back, say something to the effect of, you've made my week, uh, and I've just created a champion for IT outside the organization. Another thing that I, I, I like to do is uh, I invite every employee and their spouse over to the house for dinner. Now, it's not anything fancy. It's like hamburgers and hot dogs and whatnot, and we do it in small teams. Uh, but it's an opportunity to thank the employee in front of their spouse and, and to appreciate uh, their contributions uh, to it. So I, I just run a, you know, a monthly cycle. My wife's become very uh, uh, used to, we're going to, on about a monthly basis, have a subset of employees over. It uh, doesn't cost a lot, maybe $300 a meal, something like that. But the ability to um, thank someone in front of their partner or spouse or date um, is just priceless in terms of building that internal loyalty, having those casual conversation, seeing the boss as someone who's approachable uh, as I'm there in a t-shirt and, and jeans, you know, flipping hamburgers. Um, so I think there are lots of things that can be done to empower employees to correct that misalignment. Uh, but at the same time, when those challenges do occur, you have to hold people accountable for it, not do it as a gotcha, but do it as a mechanism to get them back on track. And if if you can get them on track, that's great. If you can't get them on track, then it's time to part ways. And at least my experience, most people figure it out, and, and they take the first step to part ways. Uh, you don't have to. Uh, occasionally you do, and then you just have set processes and then start the recruitment to bring in uh, an A-plus player. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, Sam, we, let's build upon what Curtis just mentioned. What what we have to see is, like you both are great leaders. I can see that your mindset is where you want to put people first, and you're trying to put all the pieces in place. Now, now it comes down to the problem employees. Like the, the very topic is about saying from problem to productive workforce means we identify the problems in the workforce or in those individuals and instead of managing them out immediately, see what you can do to turn them around. Because you will always have that. No one can have 100% everyone in alignment because there will be some changes, some movement. So what are those top problem areas that you find or the, the flavors of the problem employees? And what is the context in which you are calling it a problem? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, Sam, like we discussed in the first segment, and Curtin also gave great examples on on what he's been trying to do to, from his side, uh, build a good environment. But now let's talk about the very essence of this topic today is there will be some problems overall in the workforce, the sentiment that might prevail, or isolated ones in an individual. So if you had to identify... Uh, that we have to we have to say that someone ha- is a problem employee. How do we define it? And you can give your definition. And then secondly, we should see whether is it how they work means the style of delivery or what's the outcome in your words that we use to define or benchmark someone to be a problem employee or someone who is up to speed or, or up to the mark. Great. So, you know, um, I touched on it in the earlier segment that uh, employees, the problem employees, don't come as problem employees from day one. So um, often when you get go into an organization, you inher- inherit a team, uh, like I did four years ago when I came to Cal State San Bernardino, and uh, there were employees identified as problem employees by the previous teams, the previous leadership, and uh, they, they could be disenfranchised, they could be sidelined, and they were labeled as problem employees. So the first thing I did when I went to the university was uh, give everybody a fresh start program. We launched something called a fresh start program. And I gave every employee who has been sidelined or disenfranchised or didn't feel like that the institution has done enough for them or they weren't feeling professionally nourished in our institution to come and talk to me one-on-one basis to express their, their discontent. Through the conversations, what I learned was 
they were not inherently problem employees, but they have been disenfranchised for, for one reason or the other over the years. And uh, mind you, these are employees who have been with the organization for a long time, 10-plus years in some cases. So uh, as I sat down and talked with them, I discovered where the root of the issue was and started addressing them and, you know, giving them up different opportunities, having them work as a part of a different team, moving their physical location, um, several techniques I, that I've used in the past that have really turned these problem employees into really productive and enthusiastic employees. Now, does that happen for, for every employee? The answer is no. It's not 100%, but I was able to turn most of them around. The, the, uh, a few handful of them, um, we, I was able to identify opportunities for them to move out of the organization. They were in the, part, in the, in, in the time of their career where they could go uh, either retire or, or go and part, be a part of a different organization and be productive. So inherently, I, I believe that uh, you know, people are, are good in their hearts and, and uh, they, have, uh, they, they have the best interests of the organization in, in heart, but they have, for some reason, become problem employees over time. And uh, I, I've been able to turn the organization around very, very successfully. You know, there might be a couple uh, that are left over that we continue to work on, and we, we I don't ever give up on our employees. So I totally understand your perspective. So Kurt is coming back to you. So where the way the way Sam handled it is he saw that no one is a problem employee and then did what he could do to open the communication and people turned around. Would you say that we should take it upon ourselves at all times? That if there is a problem, it's because of us, or we look at a critical with a critical eye. That okay, there is something inherently wrong with the person. Um, I think the the this is kind of I started my job here about two years ago, and this is my kind of third turnaround where I've been brought into a troubled um, IT organization uh, to to, to kind of move it forward. And uh, typically, I find there's uh, you know three principal issues. Um, in some cases, there's there's a, a lack of common expectations, and so we we had employees who, under previous leadership, uh, grew the wrong expectations. Let me give you two examples. Um, one of my uh, first conversations is um, where we had the uh, an incredibly talented DBA. Uh, perhaps the most talented uh, technically on the team, but perhaps the least talented in terms of emotional maturity. And so, you know, his premise is because I'm technically the most talented, I can te- treat everybody else like crap. And uh, that's not true. And the, the previous leadership had allowed him to treat uh, to, to get away with that behavior, and that was considered okay. And if, if someone was going to leave, it was going to be the other employees. And so the, the initial meeting with him, he was incredulous that, A, he was being called on the carpet for it, and B, that we were putting him on a 90-day personnel improvement plan. And, and if he didn't you know, successfully complete the plan, then he would no longer be an employee with the organization. And um, I think that's a, a, an issue of, of expectations um, and, and setting up leaders with the right expectations. I think I'll, in all three of the turnarounds, I've spent a lot of time investing in mid-level managers to make sure that they were comfortable 
in sitting down with an employee and setting goals, in sitting down and having candid conversations on performance, on handling situations that Sam and I have probably done countless times throughout our life. An employee starts breaking down and crying in the middle of a meeting. There's a way to handle that and bring that, the, the employee back around. Um, there's uh, times when the employee gets very angry. There's a way to handle that. And so empowering mid-level managers who sometimes don't have that training um, is absolutely critical. And uh, but I, I didn't mention it, but every one of my employees has a training plan. That tr- uh, just as we sit down with them to build goals for the year, we build a training plan for them for the year. Uh, and that in- goes all the way up to me. I have a training plan um, for the year. And, so, and then we track that training plan um, on an information basis monthly and on an action basis quarterly uh, as we track to make sure that the plan is actually executed. And so I, I, I think there's a lot that goes into... Uh, making sure uh, that you've got the right alignment and expectations uh, through the the organization and that some of those basic issues of being a team player, of being technically competent um, uh, can be addressed. The the last one is this idea of... um, alignment and agility. I think those are hard things to do. You know, uh, uh, today is the slowest day you will ever have. Tomorrow is going to be faster. And if today is the slowest day you're ever going to have, you have to automate something or self-service something or take some mechanism to create capacity for tomorrow. And that's kind of the mindset that we, we have within the organization. I want everyone to be an agent of innovation, and that's not hype. That's reality. That's that's where the accountability comes in. And so when you start having that expectation that that's what it means to work in IT, that we help others solve their problems, we we empower greatness in others, um, some people don't want to do that. Some people want to come to work at 8 and go home at 5 and do the same thing every single day. And that's just not the nature of the IT organization I lead right now. So it's just not a good fit for them. And so are, are they a problem employee? No, they're just in the wrong job. They're in the wrong organization. There are plenty of jobs out there where you do come in at 8 and you go home at 5 and you've got weekends off. Um, and so it, it's, it's not that they're a problem employee. Uh, they're, they're misaligned with the organization. And, and at least my previous experiences have been that, you know, during year two in an organization, my vacancy rate will probably go to somewhere around 17 to 20%, mostly self-selected, where people vote themselves off the island. And then the long term, from about year two on, it drops back down to about 4% because you've got a team that's aligned, that's excited, that, that want to be agents of innovation. They want to help other people, and, and uh, they're willing to go the extra mile to do that. And so 4% is way under uh, the, the national average. But to get to that point, you've got to get the right people on the bus. You've got to empower them to do great things. You've got to train people so they have the, the right competencies and, and give them lots of feedback. I'll have some very interesting, uh, I was actually listening to you intently and two things actually surfaced and which is not a contradiction because you created it. It just seems like a contradiction because in the beginning of this conversation, we spoke about not having somebody burn out because that doesn't really help because you don't want to just consume them as a resource to the to the health. Mm-hmm. And 
just now we spoke about nine to five would not cut it for IT because that's just not the nature. So the nine to five is not acceptable in IT because we do not insulate our staff from all the work and actually throttle them in such a way so that they do get some breather. If we always, even though the person says yes, and he says, you know what, I want to do, I want to go all out and help all the time. But burnout is not, that is never self-inflicted. It is basically the amount of work that you ask them to do or that you make, make them do is what creates the burnout. And the second thing I wanted to bring up before, and we will go ahead and discuss this more, and I'll, I'll ask you, Sam, to respond to this, is when we are saying fixing that person who wants to just work by themselves and you put them on a performance plan, right? That's a natural thing for HR to suggest, or maybe you would adopt that too. While you turn that person around in terms of he starts behaving in front of you, does that actually help that person to turn around in becoming the effective worker because that's against his DNA? So does your technique, which is age-old, is really working in truly reaching where you want to reach with the person so that they meet their full potential? So listeners, please stay tuned. We'll be right back and talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Sam, what Curtis mentioned definitely has merit. Now, I wanted to challenge in terms of the burnout, right? So the nine to five, if someone does it, it is being frowned upon, saying that IT is not the type of organization where nine to five would really simply work. But then is this not a self-inflicted where we are taking on more or saying yes to more things that business always keeps throwing at us and then let it pass along and then it becomes from nine to five to nine to nine and that burnout gets created even though a person doesn't say no. 
How do you deal with that? Sure. So, you know, the, the nature of uh, the work in IT is not 9 to 5, right? So the expectations of our students, faculty, and staff is that we have systems up and running and uh, providing them services 24-7. And that doesn't mean that uh, the same employees and the same group of employees are always called upon to to work 24 hours a day. What we've done in our organization is that we have uh, we have a rolling schedule of people who are responsible for monitoring systems and making sure they're up and running. Now, the the landscape of IT has changed, right? From from uh, when we maintained servers in the data center that needed to be babysat and uh, always uh, uh, always patched and upgraded, we moved a lot of our services to the cloud. So. Um, in, in many cases, it's not the systems that we are monitoring, it's the services that the cloud is providing to make sure it's always available for our cons- uh, to our consumers, who are students, faculty, and staff. So we have a rolling schedule uh, of employees who are monitoring systems day after day, so there, no one employee feels like they have to be on call 24-7. And we do that in, in collaboration, in consultation with our employees, so the management is not saying to them, you are on call and you have to do this. We work with their schedules. We accommodate their family schedules and, and have them pick their own schedule to be on call and have them pick their own schedule to, to do the upgrades and the patches, etc. So that's one of the ways that we have done, done to lessen the burden of employees always feeling overwhelmed. So to that, one thing which I'd like to share, so example, Curtis, you gave where you invite uh, the, the different workers and groups to your place. And while it looks, you can see the pride in the spouse's eyes, but has anyone come to you say, you know what, I love what you're saying about my husband. I'm very proud, but I would also like him to spend some time with me and the family. But if, you, if he's there nine to nine, how is he going to do that? Yeah, so the, what, the way you get to 4% vacancy rates is you get people that have a sustainable uh, life balance. And so what we're trying to do is not burn employees out, but instead engage them in a way where they're excited to, get, to come home to work and they're comfortable uh, going home and spending time with their family when they need to, so that they've got the, the appropriate balance. And I think part of that goes back to really being intentional about how you do things. When we built, you know, our strategic plan, we just finished the process up. It was very inclusive. We had 14 town hall meetings. We had a crowdsourcing site uh, set up uh, so that the community could engage. Um, we had seven committees set up. There were more than 200 people working uh, on that strategic plan. And by the time it was, you know, uh, around the premise of let's listen intently and act intentionally. Once we had the plan and we laid out kind of over the next three years where everybody goes, yep, that's achievable, those are achievable goals, the, the, the process of sitting down with each of the employees and, and working through that is a process of co-authorship. It's not, it's not management coming in and saying, hey, here are the uh, 458 things I want you to do. Instead, it was, it's more of the employee and uh, the supervisor saying, these are the things that fall into your lane that we've got. What do you think? What, you know, what, what things are we going to accomplish? Let's jointly set goals for doing those things. And so there's some balance there. And um, 
uh, you know, the I, I mentioned coming over to uh, the house uh, uh, for dinner. Uh, we celebrate on a monthly basis the wins that occur where where we're delivering services. Uh, back to so there's this kind of feedback mechanism when we're recognizing those folks that are that are uh, uh, doing that appropriate balance. Every year we go, uh, at least for the last two years, we've gone and rented out a movie theater, and we take all our employees and we take our, our top customers and we go watch the, whatever Star Wars movie comes out at Christmas. Um, for whatever reasons, uh, there there are a fair number of IT people. Uh, that view themselves as either Sith Lords or as Jedi Knights uh, because of the magic they can work. And they just really appreciate it. Again, we invite their spouses. Uh, if we've got extra tickets, we invite their kids, and we typically do have extra tickets. It's, it's very inexpensive. I, I didn't realize this, but it's very inexpensive to rent a theater the night before the movie goes out. Um, and so, again, we go back and celebrate those successes we, we're engaging the employees in co-authoring. That co-authoring is aligned with um, uh, the investments we're making in training those employees and setting them up for success. Look, it's, it's not about burnout. If it was burnout, I wouldn't have training plans. I, I, wouldn't, um, uh, I wouldn't be making these significant investments in employees and, and holding them accountable. Um, I'd just be burning them out. But, but you get to 4% vacancy rates if you don't have burnout, if you've got long-term commitment to the organization and you've got it at a sustainable rate, but at the same time, you've got um, that, uh, you know, we're, we're just at a moment in time where IT is fundamental to growth of the company. IT is fundamental to process innovation. And um, we've, we've, you know, we, we want to engage our customers and co-author those solutions as well. So it's a, I, I agree with you. It's a delicate balancing act. But I, I just come down firmly on people are our most precious resource. We have to invest in people, empower them for greatness, but then hold them accountable to actually deliver those results. So, Sam, let's go to that ex other example that I mentioned where that person who was a great DBA, but he was he refused to work well with others. So then Curtis uh, was able to put him on a performance plan. Now that's that's the that's a very traditional HR centric approach to say put somebody in discipline to change their behavior. So while they change their behavior, but does the DNA change as a result? Because you never wanted just the the behavior with the team, you know, improves, but then that cannibalizes on the person's capability and what he used to deliver otherwise when he was in his element. Right. So, you know, there are um, people in the organization who possess a very high level of skill who basically think that, um, you know, that without them, the organization cannot run. Um, and that, that leads to... Uh, forms of techno-aggressions uh, where, you know, they, they start treating other employees uh, badly and, uh, and uh, putting other employees down. And one of the things, that, you know, in my leadership team is that when every, um, every week the leadership team meets, and this, um, the leadership team meeting minutes are being passed along to the entire ITS team, the first agenda item in every one of my leadership meetings is fairness and equity. And fairness and equity is at all levels, uh, starting from fair and equitable pay to 
treating employees uh, with dignity and respect. Now, while you might not be able to change the DNA of, uh, of an employee, you will be able to modify their behavior in the workplace. We don't, you know, we don't expect people to be friends outside of the workplace, but when they are here, we expect that they treat others with fairness and equity and they treat others with, with respect and dignity. Um, one of the things that we have done as a result of my conversations with the ITS employees in the, in the last year, you know, I, uh, I told you we discovered five different uh, categories of issues, communication and career development pathways, inclusion in the decision-making process, workload, and a clear vision. We, um, we then... Uh, pull these employees into into smaller groups and HR facilitated a session whereby where two of these issues came to the top. So the first one was communication, second one was career development pathways. So we then launched task forces for both of these, and as a result of these task forces, we have a program called Active Awareness Communication in the Workforce, which is a employee-led workshop for all ITS employees. At any point in time, I believe that ITS employees have to be involved in things that are not technology-related. Um, if the attention is always on delivering technology resources, if the, if the focus is always on being on call and, and satisfying the demands of the organization, then there's a high chance that people will become uh, disenfranchised and, and they might turn, in, 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 turn into uh, more aggressive employees. We, we need to distract them with other, uh, other kinds of workshops and skills that they really enjoy doing. So these um, communication of the workplace, active awareness communication of the workplace workshop has really turned many of our employees around. And, and we'll continue to do those kinds of non-IT kinds of projects to take IT employees' minds off of what they're working on and give them a little bit of a distraction which will enable them to be energized and come back refreshed. When we are looking at the issues related to um, uh, the, the, the people who you are trying to identify as problem employees, see, so that all, the, all the examples that were given is someone was very obviously having an issue and you were trying to fix that issue. But then... Have you seen situations, and this is for you, Curtis, where you will see there are people who will have that political bone in them or they would just try to make the most noise and like to really work hard to come across as heroes. But they could have the agenda which could be poisoning or weakening the very foundation of the organization. Most people like those, you know, either hide or slide through these different situations and are pretty good at it. So now the talent will be if a leader like you and or your top level team is able to identify those people and fix those situations. So first of all, are, how do you go about finding such people who are otherwise very smooth? Um, so I think there are uh, two components to that. Um, first of all, most folks that work like that, poison is a slow acting uh, typically, it, 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 if you're good at it, poison is slow acting. And so they, they typically follow a career path model that I liken to Mary Poppins, which is up, up, and away. They come in, they do things, 
the, the, the poison starts to work through the organization, um, and they try to leave before the poison takes full effect, and then you've got a train wreck to clean up. And um, the, the, the good news is they, they tend to be short-lived within the organization two to three years. Um, if, if they stay longer than that, the, the poison becomes more apparent. Um, I think, unless they're really, really good. And um, I think the second part is you have to create capacity to detect those things and to value those things. So, uh, but another good example, and again, it, it points out, I suspect, some of the limitations that I have as a leader. Um, you know, my preferred leadership structure is where I've got three uh, direct reports. I've got a deputy CIO, I've got a, a chief technology officer, and I've, I have a chief information uh, security officer. Um, and that's my preferred model, only because I can only manage effectively um, three to four uh, employees at a time. Uh, maybe there are people that can do eight. I, I can't. N- not effectively. Um, and so the, 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 there's the notion of moving at the speed of trust, but there's also the notion of check and verify and, and making sure things are going the right way. And I think you catch those uh, poison employees if you've got the um, capacity, if you've got the leadership structure set up where uh, people are managing between three to eight employees, and they've got the capacity to make sure that that poisoning is uh, not taking place and being covered up with a uh, glib um, uh, cover. Uh, eventually, the truth is going to come out. It's just a question of how long it takes. And again, when I moved into this organization, golly, I, I think I did have eight um, direct reports, and there was no way I could manage them. And so things were happening, uh, and we moved quickly to three direct reports because it's just what I'm comfortable with, and, and that's what I can manage. So, you know, uh, move at the speed of trust, but verify what's going on, and, and eventually you'll catch those employees, have the quarterly conversations, and then eventually you'll have enough quarterly conversations if the behavior isn't changing. Um, then it, it starts to move into a more traditional HR uh, fashion of uh, 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 working to help them. Now, in some cases, we're going to uh, get them a coach or a mentor uh, to try if they're earnest in trying to change their behavior. If not, if, if you know, and they're just people like that that um, they they can't they can't feel good about themselves without putting others around them down. Um, that's just not going to work long-term. That's not an A-plus player, and in the long-term, it's not going to work within our organization. Now, coming to you, uh, Sam, when we look at the workers, like, for example, uh, Curtis may have worked within, with a person, right, and he may have approached a person, or you may have come across a person who's a problem, but when you go about confronting them with this, they turn around and say, this is happening because there are problems in the organization and some issues which you cannot contest, so would you say, you know what, stay put, I'll be right back after I fix those issues, and then let's talk again? Is uh, that no, how I, you're going to approach it? No, um, the way I approach it is really uh, turn it around to the employee and ask them how they would like this issue handled. If uh, they were in my shoes, how would they handle it? I want to get their opinion, um, because many of these task forces that we have formed um, are employee-driven and employee-led. So I want the employees to be a part of the solution 
um, of the problem that they are bringing to the forefront. And many times you'll get some really good ideas on how to, uh, how to fix the issues. Now, you know, there, there might be uh, situations where an employee might tell you, you know, my, the boss that I work with really doesn't work for me. And in those cases, you know, if the problem is, is real and it cannot be resolved, we reassign them to a different team. We retrain them. We, uh, we've done a couple of those in, in the past four years that have effectively worked for us. Um, so it's, it's a matter of engaging with employees and, and uh, staying close to them. The, the, the other thing is this, right? Employees um, sense immediately can pick out whether you are genuine and if you're authentic. If you're an authentic leader and you will live the authenticity by making changes, by listening to employees and making meaningful and effective changes based on their feedback, then that's going to spread over time. And uh, in the past, it might have been just many employees have told me, oh, you're doing this exercise only to um, do a checkbox of, okay, I've done this and now let's move on. Uh, they've never seen any actions taken based on their feedback. What we've done in the last couple of years is when we engage with employees, we ask for their feedback and we take meaningful actions. And when they see the genuineness of the leadership team, not only me, but my, uh, uh, my AVP and uh, my leadership team, when they see that genuineness, then they, they know that there is hope for, for the organization moving forward. See, the, the response that you gave definitely is very valuable and that input is well taken that if you listen to them, that they are, we have better chances of listening or them, them listening to you. That's understood that that's leadership. Now, since that is a point problem, you're dealing with someone, he turns around and blames it on the organization and you ask him for the input, he gives you some input and you go about doing what you're doing, but he should not be off the hook. What do you do with him while you're fixing the problem with the organization? Uh, I, I think Curtis, uh, you know, um, alluded to it in, in the previous conversation that while we are fixing the problem, we hold the employee accountable for what they have been hired to do within the organization. And, uh, and not, accountability, not and it, so it, it becomes a discipline issue. Then again, is that I'm just trying to see if that person is to be turned around or to be disciplined to start behaving, which is more of an exterior trait of a person versus someone who is wholeheartedly working in the same direction and in alignment with what Curtis or you, uh, Sam, would like to see happen. So the reason this show was done was with the same intent, and, and Curtis coming to you now, is to see that how do we solve these point problems? Are we again taking it upon us? Or any, or if it comes to workers, we just simply discipline them, or is there is a middle road? Well, uh, as I mentioned, I, I'm trying to think. All of the people that work for me are adults, so you know I don't have any children uh, that come into work, and the we try to uh, address this as adults interacting, and so um, that means we're oftentimes co-authoring solutions forward. There are certain things that are, I'm just going to call them boundary conditions associated with leadership of, of things you're just not going to allow within a, a company. And then there are other things that fall within left and right boundaries of behavior that are acceptable, um, and you're going to allow those employees to 
um, uh, explore those avenues, but at the same time hold them accountable for accomplishing the mission. And I, I just uh, I don't have we we. we we don't have long conversations um, about that because the, uh, I guess, because A, they're adults, and B, there's uh, an, an accountability piece where we're pretty clear on um, uh, uh, what the expectations are. And if we're not clear on the expectations, then we go back, co-author, what would, should those expectations, have, should they be conveyed? Let me give you an example that maybe helps tease that out. Um, like Sam, um, uh, uh, like any CIO, I, I run hundreds of servers. Um, those hundreds of servers have to be patched. Um, it's not the responsibility of the security team to go tell you know the the application owner, dude or dudette, hey, go patch your system. Um, there, there's someone assigned that is held accountable for those systems, and if a manager doesn't assign a server under their purview to someone to be patched, then the manager is held accountable uh, for patching that server. And sure, we've, we've had those nascent conversations of, well, you, I didn't know I was supposed to patch the machine. I, I didn't realize you were serious when you said um, that, that we've got to keep all our machines patched so that, that they don't become subject to comp- uh, security compromise. Um, but those are really quick conversations. I'm not trying to diminish that these things happen, but they tend to be pretty quick conversations. And, you know, it's the, the, the old adage, first time around, shame on me. Second time around, shame on you. Third time around, we're probably going to write it down. And, and then we're going to move forward from that point. And so these things quickly resolve themselves. And it, uh, assuming you act on it. Now, if you let it happen, if you let that fester in the organization, then, yeah, you're going to have all sorts of, of problems. Uh, but if you act in a genuine manner with candor uh, and compassion, but, but hold people accountable, th- th- they figure out that you're serious about it. And, and again, you move pretty quickly uh, to where the organization is aligned and you don't have those issues. It just becomes part of the culture. So one last thing, Sam, 30 seconds. If you were to pick up traits of a culture which doesn't require you as a top leader to go and deal with each employee so that the culture itself is so tight that if there is a problem, the other team members kind of take care of it for the most part or or make sure this person doesn't stay if the person is not behaving. Do you think we can build such a culture? And if yes, what would be the tenets? Absolutely, I think we can build that culture. And I think we are in the process of building that culture. Of course, it starts with the leadership team um, acknowledging that there's a problem within the organization that uh, we need to empower, equip and empower and recognize our employees and um, set them up for success. So it needs to, there needs to be a commitment from the leadership team. Once the commitment is shown and the commitment is felt genuinely across the employees in the organization, they will start uh, they will start doing things that that will just amaze you. You know, the um, uh, active awareness workshop was actually by two of our employees. So I think uh, absolutely the culture can be uh, prob- prob- propagated throughout the organization. 
On behalf of the show and our listeners, thanks so much, uh, Sam and Curtis, for sharing your insights on how we can use our leadership, diagnose the right problems, and work with them together to solve and create uh, solutions so that we have not a problem workforce, but actually transition them or turn around them to become a productive workforce. Thank you so much again. Thank you. And listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CTN, and be sure to follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CTN. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.